You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Harmonize with me and hold me tight all through the night. You're shining bright. I'm your oyster, baby. You're my pearl. Well, Billy, we're here. Here we are, Dom. But where exactly are we? Because this is a completely different setup than most people are going to know about. And it's, it's uh, to be honest, it's slightly strange to me because we're in my house. You're in the front room. I'm in the middle room, as I like to call it, uh, because we were sitting together for a second, but John, Johnny Clues said that we were bleeding into each other's mic, and that was no good, Dom. Yeah, it sounds painful, and I'm sat with your my favourite houseplant of yours, this incredibly healthy pothos plant. A pothos? Is that what it's called? I think that's what it is. Yeah, I think so. Um, and we've been we've been having a heck of a time, haven't we? We've just got off a plane from Calgary and uh, came whistle stop tour to your house to do the podcast. And we went to a convention. We have gone to conventions over the years, you and I and Elijah and Sean, but this is the first time that all four hobbits went to a convention together, which I think is kind of cool, not only for us, but like if I was a a fan of a movie and the four kind of, you know, central characters in in a lot of ways were at a convention and they'd never done it before, you'd think, right, well, I've got this book or I've got this poster, or I've got this thing and I can get the entire set. That's what I put on Instagram. I was like, come to Calgary and complete the set. And I think a lot of people were very excited to have completed that set over the weekend. But do you think it kind of ruins the game? You know, like if you got um, like the 4K box set of Lord of the Rings and then you were going to spend the next three years like trying to find the hobbits and and get their signatures, and then all you did, but you just turned up at Calgary, and then you know you got them all, and then you could go for lunch. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can have it on eBay by the afternoon. I think I think some people probably did as well. We did we did see some really cool artwork though. There was a I don't know if you saw it, but there was a kind of there was a fellowship crossing. I think a bridge in Lothlorien or maybe Rivendell in a kind of stained glass vibe. Did you see that? Really beautiful. And there was a guy who was doing a lot of sort of woodwork, burning the map into like a piece of wood, and then maybe I think he he made the the seas and the rivers by some sort of blue magic. Wow, blue magic! Amazing. Um, well, yeah, it was great to see the boys. It's interesting. We call we call the other hobbits the boys, don't we? We, we refer we refer to each other as the boys, and I think people at the convention started to refer to us as the boys. Where are the boys? Where are you boys going tonight? How are you boys doing? We went to a lovely restaurant in Calgary called Model Milk. I left my jacket. Oh, it was there so good, wasn't it? And my credit card. So I'm hoping to get that back at some point. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. It was. It was a very good restaurant. So what was it called again? Something Milk? Model Milk. And we had said, because we're doing a few conventions over the next year or, year or so, the Four Hobbits, we had said, look, we're going to be tired. We might be jet lagged coming in from other countries. Let's try and make sure that at least once in each of these stints of conventions, we go for dinner. So we're one for one right now, and I'm impressed, and we should keep it up. We're doing amazing. We're doing a great job. And Sean Aston paid, which made it even better. Well... We should um, we should get going with the show because we are um, we are having our second part of our fascinating interview with Doug. Um, don't think there's anything more to say. Really, we should just kind of jump into it, right? Should we? We we'll just that? let it be the magic of Doug. Uh, it it, it was I, I found it really interesting. I'm I'm really interested in, in movement theatre and in fact, Tom, I don't know if you know this, but I almost went to do a course uh, after I finished drama school 
almost went to Lecoq in Paris to, yeah, to learn about clowning and all that. And uh, so I'm really interested to see what Doug's going to tell us this week. Yeah, let's bring him on. Do, do you find, Doug, that now, because obviously I'm sure Billy and I have the same situation in our own particular kind of acting field, that because you've established that you're very good with prosthetics, you tend to get offered a lot of jobs with prosthetics. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, uh, uh, you know, go-to creature guy or, you know, I've been, right, I've been yeah. dubbed with, a, I mean, it's a lovely title, the king of creatures, but, you know, I, I would love to be known for, for a bit more than that, uh, especially the older I get. I, uh, uh, in May, I turned 62. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And I am... Well, thank you. Bless you. <laughs> but I... Mm-hmm. I uh, you look amazing. So you I'm, really do. As do you. Thank you. You're not wearing prosthetics but now. I, I, uh, no. Not really. Yeah, this took five hours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am. Uh, I am hoping uh, to. Uh, I'm, I'm, be, I'm being more picky with with the rubberized jobs that I say yes or no to. Right. Um, and and exploring more of my human. I've been playing humans all along, yeah. just in, in lesser known roles and you know yeah. things that disappear faster. Uh, so I, I would love to. Uh, in fact, you know, here, here, here's my dream. I want to play the dad of a grown woman on a Hallmark Christmas movie so I can get just wear like a, okay. a, a sweater with reindeer on it, hold a cup yeah. of cocoa and give her some great wow. relationship advice. And that would be don't stay with him. He yeah. doesn't like cats. Hang out with him. Um, he's a dog person. He's nicer. Something like that. So if anyone from Hallmark is yeah. listening then Doug would like to be in your Christmas movie this year, please. The woman no who, prosthetics. The woman who loves dogs. Brackets, not cats. Not cats. That's right. Exactly. Um, well, Doug, you have also ca- right. you've also carved out a niche for yourself as uh, one of the people that Guillermo del Toro works with consistently, who is just an unbelievably magical filmmaker. So I'm sure a lot of people watching and listening to the show, if they love Peter Jackson's work, have also found their way to loving Guillermo del Toro's work. So could you just talk to us? because I've met Guillermo at a few events and he's absolutely adorable. Can you just talk to us about Guillermo the man, Guillermo the director, what he's like to work with? Because I'm sure people would would just eat that up. Yeah, no, Guillermo del Toro is the, he's my favorite director I've ever worked with. And every other director knows that going in and they're fine with it because they all love him too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. he, he as, a, as an artist, he is, you know, of course, he's a brilliant genius. Uh, he, he, has, he has ingested art forms all of his life, and whether it's painting, sculptures, music, dance, theater, uh, uh, literature, film, television, of course, he's in, he's taken all of it in, and he has this huge encyclopedia to draw from. Uh, he also is is the the he is such a a learner and absorber of people. When he meets you, he has you sussed up in within minutes. Uh, what makes you tick and, and what buttons to push to get reactions out of you. And as a director with an actor, that's a brilliant art, uh, mm-hmm. you know, gift to have. Mm-hmm. So he, he directs all of us actors very differently from each other. Even mm-hmm. like, you know, when I'm playing opposite Ron Perlman and Selma Blair, we all have different personalities and different things that, that will trigger a, a reaction or, you know, or a piece of direction out of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, he knows how to do that and get into your, into your psyche in, in a in a very healthy way, though, mm. uh, and just as a person, he is one of the funniest human beings I've ever met. He's very self-effacing. He makes fun of himself constantly, and always gets a guffaw laugh out of any anyone he's ever in front of. So I I just adore the man, yeah, uh, so so much. You know, it's The Shape of Water was my sixth film with him, and mm. uh, yeah, so it's been we've been through a lot together. So so how did you meet him? 1997 on on Mimic, his first uh, American feature film ever. Um, I was just called in by the Creature Effects people, like, "Hey, we're doing some reshoots of this bug character uh, that we already shot in Toronto, but the Canadian actor can't work here in LA, so 
So would I just come in and do three days of pickup shoots? Sure. I'm, you know, out of work actor. I, I think I have time. Yes. So I ended up uh, uh, in a bug costume being directed by Guillermo, who I didn't know who he was at the time. A lot of us didn't. Wow. And he uh, he sat down across the lunch table for me on day two and said, so Dougie, tell me everything you've been in before. And we just <laughs> talked about monsters and creatures and, and, the, and the artists who make them. And he was just this excited 12 year old fanboy inside a brilliant director filmmaker yeah uh and that's i think that's why he has such appeal is because he makes things that'll give himself a geek gasm mm. and then we all get one with him mm. i think that's what happens there's some mirrors with peter jackson isn't there with guillermo and i know obviously yeah. they were they were close to collaborating on on the hobbit together and they're, yeah, and they're you know friends. yeah you get the hobbit right, right. Uh, there's a story about the hobbit then too right. uh, when del toro was he was involved he was living in new zealand yeah. for what a couple yeah, of years yeah. in preparation of the mm -hmm. Hobbit. And I don't, I have no idea what happened with why, why, uh, why he ended up not directing that. But in the mean, when he was going to be directing it, uh, uh, he told me, I've got something for you. Never told me what the role was. So I still, to this day, have no idea what he had in mind. Ah, that me. was one of my big questions as well. I mm -hmm. wanted to know what you were going to be doing. And mm -hmm. I read mm -hmm. somewhere. Yeah. But, uh, he, he knew better than to tell me because he, he he told me this once a long time ago that I'll, I'll never give you too much information before we know what's going to happen because I don't want to get your hopes up. I don't mm -hmm. want you, you know, mm -hmm. go into a deep depression when something doesn't work out. So I'm yeah. glad I'm glad, you know, at this point, it's like, OK, that worked out well. But I did meet Peter Jackson behind uh, backstage at, at San Diego Comic Con around that same time. And he introduced himself to me. He had lost a whole bunch of weight right before that. So I didn't even recognize mm -hmm. him right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, he introduced himself to me. I'm like, oh, my gosh, Peter Jackson. Oh, oh. So, of course, I hugged him. And he, he said, well, we've been talking about you a lot and uh, and we'll hope to see you soon. I'm like, yeah, you bet, Peter Jackson. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, that that would have been fun. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Billy's the same. I sometimes drive over to uh, Billy's place on the west side of a weekend, but I don't tell him. Unless I'm absolutely categorically coming over. I get too excited. He gets really excited. He gets in his gym jams and he starts <laughs> right? eating jelly babies and stuff. So oh, sometimes see. I knock on your door and surprise you, don't I? Yeah, it's lovely, Tom. Yeah, I love it. Fun. I know. Hey, so here's another one talking about that then, Doug, in Guillermo and uh, upcoming movies. I read somewhere that you would be playing, um, if he makes it, the, the creature, the monster in Frankenstein. Is that true? Is, is there any, has that made any movement? Well, uh, it's true without movement. Yes. <laughs> so uh. Uh, it, I was, yeah, I know I was at the red carpet premiere of Hellboy 2, The Golden Army in 2008. And a journalist uh, on the on the press line uh, said, hey, Doug, I just talked to Guillermo and he said he's going to make his own Frankenstein movie. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, uh. that's great news, because I knew he I knew he revered that that. The, the book and the the original mm. film, the Boris Karloff movie. Uh, I knew that what that meant to his childhood and all of So it's like, I, he's the perfect one to make this. He said, well, no, but that's not all. Uh, I asked Guillermo who his Frankenstein's monster would be. And he said, Doug Jones. That's when I'm, I lost all the blood in my head. Yeah. First time I'd heard this. Mm. Yeah. So I, uh, I was just like gobsmacked. And so I, I went in, in, into the theater and watched the movie. And, and then I asked him later, did I hear this correctly? He goes, oh, yeah, that's exactly what he could have told me before you told the press. I'm just saying. But anyway, <laughs> but that would be but, brilliant. But we, would be great. Yeah. But and, and I was curious at the time, like, would that because mm, Boris Karloff's Frankenstein was uh, a big, lumbering, broad shouldered, square headed thing that I didn't feel like a, a good fit for me exactly. And so uh, but come to find out that it was Bernie Wrightson is a, is a brilliant artist who illustrated Mary Shelley's Frankenstein in book form. Mm. And those drawings are what inspired Guillermo to come after me mm. because they're thinner, more sinewy, uh -huh. uh, more, more withdrawn and more cadaverous looking. Mm. Uh, and it's like, so once I saw those drawings of Bernie Wrightson's, I was like, Oh, now I get it. Of course. Look, <laughs> look at me. So, uh, but that was, that was 2008. And here we are in 2022, mm. and that has not been made. So I, where it is, I don't, I don't know. Well, he's a busy man, Guillermo, isn't he? So maybe he'll get around to it. This is the thing with filmmaking, isn't it? You, you, you think it's, you know, if someone like Guillermo had says he's going to do that, then everybody would pounce on it. And right. but you just don't know what's happening behind 
the kind of closed doors. But it, I'd love to see that I'd film. Love that You'd be a great um, actual the Professor Frankenstein. Is that the guy who goes? He's alive, alive. Well, maybe. And could I do it like that? Or should I go lower? Slightly less, if you could. Um, I think it's funny because it's it's one of the crazy misnomers about you know books uh, and and or movies is a lot of people think that Frankenstein is the name of the monster. But that's yeah. the name of the Genevan student who yeah. creates Frankenstein's monster. And yes. And Frankenstein's monster, is, is he just called the monster or does he have another name? It's not like Dave or Gavin, is I it? I think he calls, in the book, I think, does he call him the creature or the monster? The I can't remember. Is it the asshole? No, it's These definitely not These are good not questions. That. I don't know. Mm, but well, I yeah, love the book. I... It was one of the books I was really surprised that I liked so much. When we were doing Lord of the Rings, you were reading Bram Stoker's Dracula. Remember? <gasps> Which would be another cracking part for you, Doug. And there's a couple of times that you would stand outside my uh, apartment. Yeah. And when I would walk out the door, you'd go. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes outside the window. Yeah. I don't know how you got up there. How did you get up there? Don't never ask. Okay. All right. Um, Doug, can I ask you what your favorite film is? Ooh. Your oh, my, well, well, all see, films are just films that Doug was in. No, of any film. I mean, you can mention one of your own if, if you're that way inclined, Doug, but just any film. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, this is going to, I'm going to dip outside the fantasy genre, but slightly, but, but there's some fantasy. Uh, it's a 1980 romantic film with Christopher Reeve and Jane Seymour called Somewhere in Time. Oh, is it a time and, traveler's uh, film? Time travel, oh, yes. That's one of our favorite uh, genres. Christ Christopher Reeve sees a portrait of Jane Seymour and goes back in time to find her. It was a lovely, lovely story. Oh, great. We'll check that we out. Love, it's one of my favorite love, genres. Oh, it's probably our favorite, mm -hmm. isn't it? Time travel. Mm -hmm. And, uh, of course, Doug was in uh, The Time Machine, the remake of The Time mm -hmm. Machine. Fantastic. Which, uh, I love that. Wow. I love those movies are great. My mum and dad, hello, Momo and Jojo, my mum and dad, who spend a lot of time in Spain, I would say probably... One of their favorite shared movies was Pan's Labyrinth, which was very much adored. And I've I watched it recently, and it's a lot scarier than I remember. Mm. I slightly shat myself. We'll talk about that <laughs> on another podcast, Doug. Okay, that's a, right, right. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life can be overwhelming and many people are burned out without even knowing it. Symptoms can include lack of motivation, feeling helpless or trapped, detachment, fatigue, and more. I'm sure a lot of people out there have been experiencing this, especially as we've been going through this COVID process. It's not been an easy time for anyone. And the feeling of being burned out is something that I think we can all empathize with. We associate burnout with work, but that's not the only cause. All of our roles in life can lead to feeling burned out and BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to prioritize yourself. Talking with someone can help you figure out what's really causing stress in your life. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't need to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Friendship Onion listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com onion. That's betterhelp.com slash onion. Since starting to incorporate Magic Spoon into my daily morning routine, I've noticed fewer cravings throughout the day and more energy to hold me over until lunch. We're all obviously trying to eat better, but a healthy breakfast doesn't have to be boring. Magic Spoon has the amazing flavors that you love, but without all the bad stuff, and it's amazing as a midnight snack right before bed. I also put it in my protein shakes, and here, I'll tell you a few facts. Zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. Only 140 calories a serving. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. You can also build your own box, available flavors to build your very own custom bundle, a cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, mm, cookies and cream, maple waffle, blueberry, cinnamon, plus the newly reformulated honey nut flavor that will now be added to Magic Spoon's permanent collection. Go to magicspoon.com slash onion to grab a custom bundle of cereal and be sure to use our promo code onion at checkout to save $5 off your order. 
And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's back with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com onion and use the code onion to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. You can do scary very well, Doug, mm. like Pan's Labyrinth, but also uh, I was a big, oh yeah, I was a big fan of um, what what you did, in, and it was just an episode, but in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, mm. I've got two favourite episodes, and yours is is one of them, because it was really scary, and and and, and is burned into my mind. Well, no, thank you. So, so I'm going to guess is the other favorite Buffy episode, the musical one, Once More with Feeling? It is, Doug, yeah. Billy loves a yeah. musical. I love a musical. I love, I love Time Machines. And you love Star Trek, and Doug was also in Star Trek. Go. So go on, nerd off about Star Trek. You, well, Captain Kirk, Mr. Sparks, got in all those guys. I do I do love mm, Star set, Trek. Set something to stun. I love Star Trek. <laughs> I love great. the whole universe. And, and Doug's brilliant in it. Yeah, Doug. yeah. Now, were you a Star Trek oh. fan uh, back in the day, Doug? And is there a particular character that you respond to more than anyone else? Uh, well, yeah, I, I know. I'm, I've been being a, being the age that I am. Uh, the original mm. series came on on the air broadcast television in 1966. I was six years old, mm. so I I grew up with with Star. I mean, we've all grown up with some Star Trek in our face at some time sure. point at, by mm. this time, because the franchise has been around for 56 years now. So. I, uh, I, yeah, Kirk and Spock were, were my, were my, were my guys, but, but, but Spock was the one that I really kind of related to because he was a little taller, a little thinner. Uh, he looked different than everybody else on the bridge. That's how I felt every day when I went to school. So uh, if Spock <laughs> could do it, so could I, uh, he was, he was inspiring for me. And now uh, being on, being the tall, skinny, uh, odd looking one on the bridge of the starship discovery. I, that's kind of come full circle for me that I get to play the Spock-like character, even though I'm a Kelpian on the show. But it's uh, the, uh, when the, the writers first approached me about being on Discovery, they said, you're kind of going to be the Spock of this series. So I was mm. like, oh, I'm in then. Bring it. Amazing. Your your Star Trek is the one with Patrick Stewart more than anyone else. Is that right? That's uh, That was my favorite, yes. The Next Generation. The Next Generation. That's the one that I really loved. Mm. But... Um, I will, I will um, say how wonderful Doug is, well, if you don't mind. Then. And here's what I really love about your character on on the new Star Trek, Doug, is I think you've brought all that history of all these creatures that you've played, and you've you've done this lovely thing where it feels like the creature um, shouldn't be a captain. He shouldn't be as high up as he is. Like whatever world he comes from, there's a feeling of a little bit of, we were talking about imposter syndrome. And even though he's so incredibly elegant and he, you know, he looks like he should be there. It feels like he's 20 generations too early. Like he's jumped ahead and, and, and he's a captain of a starship and you can see just the way you play him. There's just that, am I supposed to be here? Even though he's incredibly intelligent and makes the right, there's just that, and it's lovely. And to put, and you like this, Dom. Oh, you don't know yet. You, I know you love this. Well, let's see. Because as well as that, there's, Dom is a huge fan of animals and nature. That's true. There's a nature thing to Doug's character where his, his species are hunted on their planet. Oh. So they have these sort of... Uh, a, a, another sense that they can tell when there's danger nearby. Mm. So he brings that to the character as well, that mm. there's a little kind of, oh, oh, there's just, you know, it's 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 absolutely brilliant, Doug, and I'd like to applaud you for that. It's, Let's applaud so, him. It's a wonderful oh. performance. It really is. It's really wonderful. Doug, we have, we have quite a few people um, asking Billy and I on Instagram and, and asking us on the podcast, you know, I, I would like to act. What advice would you give me if I'm at high school or if I'm at college? Is there any particular uh, answer to that question that you that you give to people who are interested in not only acting, but maybe your particular field of acting, more prosthetic kind of work? Yeah, I, 
Well, when, uh, when, when, when young people are asking that question, they often want to know about the business part of show business because that's, that's the, what the big mystery is. How do you get in? Is there a phone number I can call to get famous? How does this work? <laughs> so, right. uh, uh, well, as we know, there's no such phone number. Uh, so let me start with, uh, with the show part of show business. And I think, uh, you know, we're all told uh, going in to know our type so that we don't market ourselves uh, wrong, you know, uh, mm-hmm. that we don't bark up the wrong tree when it comes to, to acting. I knew when I came into the showbiz that I was going to be, uh, uh, with my look, I wasn't going to be a romantic leading man unless I was a fish later in a Guillermo del Toro movie. But for now, <laughs> I have to be either I have to be either funny or scary. That's that's what a character actor does, and I knew that going in. So, uh, not only just knowing your type, but loving your type. Uh, I had to learn to embrace. I, I grew, grew up hating my look because other kids made made fun of me. It's like, well, they must be right then. So I had to, you know, do a 180 on my uh, self-image and actually find the beauty in what others thought were flaws and find uh, the marketability of those uh, attributes that I have. So knowing my type and loving my type is what really put me forward with some confidence. Mm. Right. Uh, As for the business part, when it comes to creature folks, um, I think because because my career was built on referrals from within the creature effects artist industry uh i kind of like sidestepped the casting process so yes i have an agent yes i have i've met casting directors along the way yes i all of that but my relationship with with those who make the designs that go on me that's where my career has really been been moved forward so whatever that takes for an, an actor to uh uh put together photos of themselves in different makeups different looks uh, if you're in school, uh, make get chummy and, and friendly with those who are in the makeup uh, uh, track of, mm. of education. Have them work on you. Take photos. Take video. Mm. Put that together and then present that to Creature Effects people as you meet them at a maybe like a convention like Monster Palooza, where they all gather for a weekend every year nice. uh, and parade yourself around and meet some people. That's so. That's kind of the the what I the advice I would give for Monster World. Brilliant. Meanwhile, the secret to your success is you will kiss anyone, won't you? I will, and I'll also pay for parts. Mm, you have paid for cash. parts. You don't have any money left, do you? I don't have any money. <laughs> no. mm, that's great. And when you're, uh, what is your, what is your secret when you're on the chair? You've just got this chair award. Do you meditate? Do you sleep? What do you do for those hours as these great um, artists make you into a, a creature? Oh, I. <laughs> All of the above, uh, you know, when you've got yeah. hours uh, in a process, you bec- uh, it's it's good to be a friendly person that gets along with people because those makeup artists are going to be your friends and your care mm. your caregivers for the entire production. So uh, joking with them and and all of them have been over the years that I've been working have been goofy, funny people with great sense of humor, great imaginations. And uh, so we, we laugh a lot. We tell stories. Uh, might pull up uh, talking cat videos on YouTube if if we get a good internet connection. Uh, listen to lots of music. And yes, um, there's the occasional dozing off for a nap too, of course, mm-hmm. if it's long enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, a good relationship with your makeup artist is key, even when you and I are doing, you know, work that doesn't demand a massive amount of makeup because mm-hmm. you're seeing them. You, outside of the person that might be driving you to work, they're the first person that you're having a long interaction with in the morning. So if, you know, if your relationship with them is not great, it can really kind of be a bad start to your day. And then on the other side of things, if you guys are cool together, it can be the thing that puts you in a, in a great mood. You know, I'm always uh, very keen to be as friendly as possible with my makeup artist and buy her gifts and, and just say compliments that might not be true. Like, <laughs> You look fantastic, or what a lovely shirt. <laughs> yeah. Can I use those compliments? Of- yeah, you want me to write it down later? Yeah, if you can. Uh, it was, uh, what a lovely shirt, and you look fantastic. But You're I'll write it down for you. you thank know, you very yeah. much. <laughs> Keep that on a flashcard. Oh, yeah, thanks, Dom. <laughs> what a lovely shirt. And what's... um. What are you up to next, Doug? Do you know? That's interesting that you mentioned conventions, because I'm going to a convention this this weekend. Billy and I are attending, I think, five conventions in the next kind of over nine the year. months yeah, or so. Yeah. 
So we do, we do go to conventions. That's how we meet a lot of people that we hopefully try and invite on our podcast. It's obviously a great way for us to meet people that have enjoyed the work that we do. You seem to do that too. But in terms of work, do you, do you know what the rest of your year might be looking like? Well, uh, right now I'm on hiatus between season four and five of Star Trek Discovery. Uh, so I'll start that back up like sometime this summer. We're going to be back into filming again. Uh, so in the meantime, this during this crazy. hiatus, I was able to work in a movie shoot for Hocus Pocus Part 2. Uh, ah. So Beth Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, Kathy and Jimmy and I are all back for from the first movie Great. with a whole bunch of new Great. kids. And yeah. So and then and then I have a, a, I also have a, a bunch of conventions to do between now and May uh, that us all be. I don't know. If we're, well, maybe we run into each other. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe maybe we could also squeeze in that Hallmark uh, Christmas movie sometime over the summer. Yeah. Wouldn't we'll get that you a nice ideal? sweater, you can drink coffee. It'll be <laughs> wonderful. The makeup is 10 minutes in the morning. Oh, you will not, love it. Not for you, though, because you play the dog. I play the dog. So you're I'm... in the chair for three and a half hours. <laughs> and dog, you can teach him everything that you know. <laughs> everything I know. Okay, I'll tell you. Public Goods is the one-stop shop for sustainable, high-quality, everyday essentials made from clean ingredients at an affordable price. Everything from personal care and household products to coffee, toilet paper, shampoo, pet food, and more. Public Goods is your new everything store thoughtfully designed for the conscious consumer. I use their shampoo. Looks fantastic in my shower. The designs are so simple, so clean, and also Smells absolutely fantastic. It's one of my favorite things that I'm currently using. Rather than buying from a bunch of single product brands, Public Goods members can buy all of their premium essentials in one place with one beautiful, streamlined aesthetic. Knowing what's in your product and where they come from is extremely important. They use a membership model to keep costs low and pass on even more savings to their customers. Best of all, you can make your first purchase with no obligation. Join hundreds of thousands of others who have switched to their new everything store. We worked out an awesome deal. Receive $15 off your first public goods order with no minimum purchase. That's right. They're so confident that you will absolutely love their products and come back again that they're giving you $15 to spend on your first purchase. You have nothing to lose. Just go to publicgoods.com slash onion and use the code onion at checkout. That's P-U-B-L-I-C. G-O-O-D-S dot com forward slash onion to receive $15 off your first order. I love that sound. It's the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. In fact, all of the Friendship Onion merchandise that we sell works with Shopify. It's so easy to set up your business. It takes away all of the hassles and maybe you feel a little overwhelmed about selling things online. Shopify will take care of all of that for you. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big businesses. So upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibilities. And I love how Spotify has the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe. Like mine, Shopify powers millions of businesses from first scale to full scale. Reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. Gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting of conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. More than a store, Shopify grows with you. Go to shopify.com slash onion, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash onion right now. Shopify.com slash onion. Oh, and another thing about Star Trek, Dom. Yeah, go, go on. Doug's a, Doug is the first ever alien to be the captain of a starship. Oh, is it usually a human? Well, it's in the actual, like, they, they might meet uh, aliens who have starship, but to be an actual, is that right? As the, the alien, yes, uh, uh, the lead. I yeah. am the first. The, fir the first captain of, of a title ship in a Star Trek series. Yes, that is an alien, non-human species. Uh, now, my, mind you, that was just for season three. 
Uh, I did mm-hmm. give up the captain's chair to to my human cohort, uh, uh, Sanuka Martin Green, who plays um, uh, Michael Burnham on the show. So uh, yeah. it, it's really been her show all along, and this we you know the audience knows that it was all going to her being captain one day. But I got to be captain in the interim, which puts me in a very small club of Star Trek captains over the over the decades, which I'm very tickled pink to be a part of now. Absolutely. Which I would like to join that club. Yeah. If you could work that out for me, please, Doug. Oh, I've noticed the I Scots know you are would. normally in the belly room. They're stuck down in the engine room. You'd I want amazing. to be the captain. Yeah. So if you get to do a Christmas movie, I would like to be on the bridge. Just here we go, because here's your platform. Oh, here we go, Tom. Give us, give us just a, your reading of uh-huh. you're, you're flying through space. Right. Right. Fast, not that fast, but fast. Warp, we're in warp speed. We're in warp speed. It's a nice sunny day out. <laughs> not a cloud in the sky. <laughs> but suddenly, what? Suddenly, to Klingon, your, Klingon, to your left, Klingon. Someone says, "I think I see Klingons." Go, slam on the brakes. Slamming my man. Slamming on the brakes. Now what? Turn, turn the guns towards the Klingons. Uh, guns towards Klingons. Set to stun, Captain, or set to blow the shit out of them. Blow the shit out of them. Press the button. And not yet, not, oh, not yet. Hold. Hold. Holding. Hold. Hovering over the Hold. button. Fire. I am going to get rid of, I, I'm going to get rid of my Netflix subscription just to like, just to watch you two all day. That'd be way better. <laughs> exactly. I That's mean, the show right there, Doug. And you can do a guest star yeah. if you like. We'll pay you tons of money. Yes. That was amazing. I don't yes. often yes. swear, but that was that was effing amazing. Sorry to use harsh letters there, but that, was, that was effing amazing. <laughs> was it too dramatic? No, it was brilliant. Was it? Because I wanted to press the button and just as I was about hold, to, you hold, hold, hold. It was like thing me, that, that that submarine movie, wasn't it, with Sean Connery? Oh, you were the, the Hunt for Red Septembers. Oh, lovely film. Doug, it's been fantastic having you on, and um, I'm sure a lot of people listening will be inspired about how you uh, have gone on your journey uh, and made some truly extraordinary films in your career. Oh, Billy's got a question. Or do you need to pee? No, I've got a question, Tom. Normally, we do something else on the show. Can we do that? What? What? Billy and Dom eat the world. Well, I think we're eating the world, but I don't know if Doug's eating the world with us. I think Doug is eating the world with us. Hang on, here's Johnny Clues. Hang on, Johnny's, Johnny Clues has answered here. He's, he's pointing to his phone. I think Johnny Clues is saying that we might have to do uh, Billy and Dom Eat the World without Doug. Oh, Doug. Because, I, Doug, I... you don't just happen to have a tuna casserole to your left, do you? <laughs> no? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no one clued me in that I would have to create. Uh, yeah, I answered the question on an email, but I didn't know I had to make one to, for the day. It sounds like... Well, so this is what's going to happen. Right, hold on. You and I are going to eat the world. This is based on a recommendation from Doug, oh, right, but he yeah. doesn't have it currently with him, but we do. So, Doug, could you tee up your mom's tuna casserole, or the way that your mom used to make it, because it's been made by Johnny Clues, and uh, tell us tell us what we can expect, apart from tuna. Uh, well, you know, I, I, I grew up in Indiana, which is in the Midwest, and a Midwestern mm. staple is tuna casserole, uh, which would be... Uh, sort of like a, a egg noodles with tuna mushroom, cream of mushroom soup, maybe some chopped up onions and uh, some frozen peas in there. Uh, it's a, a, a to me, it's a big delicious delight. Uh, uh, so and it, and it's 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 childhood warm fuzzy comfort food memories for me. Mm. Well, that is perfect because what we tend to like with uh, Billy and Dom Eat the World is a food item that means something special to you. So this sounds like it's on brand, as the kids say. Well, that's fantastic. Thank you, Doug. Can't wait. It's been a wonderful conversation. Yeah, it has I've been really enjoyed it, wonder. Doug. And um, I hope we do meet up sometime this year. I would uh, love to see you again. But if you I could just like introduce introduce the song that you would like us to hear in Funky For You. Mm. Uh, no, I, 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 I sent two songs. I don't know which one. Uh, we have chosen. Uh, I'll let pretty- you know, Doug. We've chosen the wonderful alliterated Melissa Manchester with the song Through the Eyes of Love. Well, I'll tell you about that. Uh, from the Ice Castles movie soundtrack is, a, is a, a song called Through the Eyes of Love by Melissa Manchester, who, I'm all, I've, who I've always loved. And my lovely Mrs. Laurie, who I've been married to for almost 38 years now, uh, mm-hmm. we met in college at Ball State University, and that movie was out around that time. 
that song was on the radio play and in high rotation at that time. And so uh, it kind of became our song. Oh. So I, if someone says, says, what's a song that means something to you? I would think it would be our song through the eyes of love by Melissa Manchester. And did you guys fall in love? Did she fall in love with you, Doug? Or was it the school mascot and those nice, <laughs> those chicken legs? legs. Who, wouldn't fall, who wouldn't go for a sexy cardinal, right? Cardinal yeah, exactly. One of the beautiful yeah. birds. Mm. Well, thank you very much, Doug. It's been an absolute treat. Yeah, fingers crossed we see you on the convention circuit. But thanks a lot for all of your uh, amazing answers to uh, moribund questions. <laughs> oh, it's Good been month. lovely to catch up with you with you wacky kids again. Thank you so much. Thanks Take a lot, Doug. Thank you very much. Billy and Dom eat the world. You join us again in the all expenses spared set for another enticing episode of Billy and Dom Eat, eat the, the world. world. Well, Dom, what have we got this week? I'll tell you what we've got this week. We've got tuna casserole. <gasps> I'll, 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 why are tuna casserole? Well, this came to us from the lovely Doug, our fantastic guest today. Doug Jones. Doug Jones grew up with a tuna casserole. Now, I think tuna casserole. He grew up with a tuna casserole? Yeah, yeah, that was his mum, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I think his, his mum used to make him a tuna casserole. Now, tuna casserole, I think, around the world is made in different ways because the tuna casserole that I might have had as a kid had maybe more of a tomato-y vibe to it. And this is more of a mushroomy vibe. Yeah, it's mushrooms, and we try it, it seems to have crisps on the top. Crisps yeah. on the top. This is made for us by Johnny Clues. It's but, got peas in it. But from a recipe uh, by uh, from Doug Jones. Let's have a little bite. Are we going for it? Yeah, well, That's a big bite. Thank you. Oh, it's fresh, isn't it? Mm. Fresh. Thank you. Got I, wasn't, I, wasn't, I wasn't quite expecting it to be as fishy. Uh, well, it's tuna, is it? No, Clues but, in the title there. Are you saying that the tuna might be off? Maybe. Is it, um, it's Johnny's tuna. Do you say tuna or tuna? I say tuna, but yeah. in the States they say tuna. I wasn't it's, sure uh, if English people said tuna I say or tuna. 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 So in the, in the States you have to order a tuna fish sandwich, don't you? Is that what you say if you... Uh, tuna melt. Tuna right. melt. Because I notice you in restaurants, you say water. I do say you water. don't say water. No, because I don't know what I'm saying then. No. And I do say tuna. As well, tuna. Do you really? Yeah, I do wouldn't. You not? No, I'd say tuna and yeah. just and just have them figure it out. All right, let me have another. It's got peas in this. Now that I know that it's fish, I'll have another go. I'll tell you a lovely a lovely quote from uh, Confucius about peas. Do you want to hear? No, oh, that's lovely. Right now. Man, this is Confucius. Man who uh, cooks carrots and peas in the same pot is unhygienic. Confucius. Um, we really do that Tell me something. Oh. What happened? I don't know if that pea started my plate or yours. Well, that's a shame. In that case, we'll just hurtle it. Right. Uh, tell us something about a tuna casserole. Oh, that was nice, that bite was I had it? there. Well, yeah. it says here, you might assume that the tuna casserole, or tuna casserole, uh -huh. was a post-World War II invention of Middle America. But you'd be wrong. The first published recipe for noodles and tuna fish on casserole was penned by Mrs. W.F.S. of Kenwick. Washington, and printed in a 1930 issue of Sunset Magazine. Wow. I love Mi a copy of that. Carry yeah. on. Mrs. W WFS made a white sauce for her creation, but beginning in 1934, Cox simplified the recipe by substituting that new product from the Campbell Soup Company, the classic cream of mushroom soup. Oh, Andy Warhol loved a cream of mushroom soup, didn't he? He painted it and everything, Don. He painted it. He loved tomato soup. He loved all soup. Yeah. And he he was one of the first artists that said, you know, if you liked his photograph or his, his painting, he said, I like that, but, you know, I want to hang it in, in my room. But my room's red and that's green and it wouldn't go. He said, I'll do it for you in red. I'll do it for you in red. That'll be $350,000. It'll be $350 million now. Mm, you'd pay for it. I'll have one more gullop of this. Andy, Andy Warhol is famous, attributed with the saying, uh, everyone will be famous for 15 minutes. That's true. And I wonder if Andy Warhol was around nowadays. Mm-hmm. He would be more closely attributed with a phrase such as everyone will be cancelled at some point in their life. Because it does seem like that's what's happening. At some point, everyone becomes cancelled. Well done. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. We're living in an interesting time. I'm not going to cancel this tuna casserole. That was good. I'll tell you what, John's, John's done a good job. Yeah. 
I'll give you a little bit more on the tuna casserole. Yeah, give though. us a blurb. Are you ready? Yes. Have a, um... So, uh, yeah. yeah. So she's added the cream of mushroom soup. She has, yeah. Then Ellen Brown, uh, no relation to Helen Evans Brown, yeah. entered the scene. She is the founding food editor of USA Today wow. and a prolific cookbook author. In 2012, she published Mac and Cheese, 80 classic and creative versions of the ultimate comfort food. 80? 80. According to NPR, that's National Public Radio, right between the recipes for sherried mac and cheese oh, no. and Mayan chipotle chicken mac oh, yeah. is a recipe for, yes, you guessed it, tuna noodle casserole. Wow. Casseroles became popular in American households, households in the 1950s, mainly because the ingredients were cheap and easy to find in the supermarket. A can or a tin of tuna, as we would say, a can or a tin of vegetables, a tin of soup, a package of egg noodles becomes a prepared dinner in about half an hour. Tuna casserole can also be frozen or refrigerated and then reheaten to be eaten the next day. It might be one of those things that in cookery class or what yeah. we would call home economics class as a yeah. kid, they might say, just bring in these raw ingredients and we'll turn it into a, a lovely, tasty, nutritious meal. There's mushrooms in there, and you love mushrooms, don't you? I tell you, that's very tasty, Dom. And I think with them, Doug Jones, I think mm. it's just from the Midwest that this is a meal that they would have mm. quite a lot. And mm. it's not something I'd have grew up with. No. Would you have this? No, no, no. But I think it's really delicious. Mm. And um, so what, what what, did you make in home economics? What, what sticks in your mind? Well, we did the obvious right, chocolate crispy cakes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, simple thing, simple, wasn't it? Simple, simple. I remember making uh, a quite revolting sausage meat plat. Sounds awful, that. It was awful. It was just sausage meat, mm -hmm. and then they made you plat pastry on top of it. But I don't really like sausage meat, and I don't. I wouldn't eat plats at the best of times. You know what I mean? So we did that. Um, scones, of course. What about you? Um, cinnamon toast. You'd hate that, wouldn't you? Basically, you made toast and then sprinkled cinnamon on it. Shite. And then we made uh, shortbread, and mm. the shortbread was absolutely fantastic. Mm. And I used to make it at the house afterwards mm -hmm. for, for maybe a year. Mm. And then I probably didn't make it for about 20 years, and I thought, I'm going to try and make shortbread again. Right. And I can't make it now. Yeah. It's shite. Now, there's this thing... Or the internet. Yeah, I've went on there. You'd put in something like, for the sake of argument, shortbread recipe. Yeah, I've tried it, it really still won't work. But when I used to make it from home economics, it mm. was absolutely delicious. And people would say all really? around, oh, your shortbread. oh, your shortbread's lovely. Mm. So Neighbours, Mrs. Duggan from mm. Two's Doors Down, mm. and also the Swan family. The Swans. Would all say, Billy, your shortbread is probably the best mm. I've ever tasted. And now I just can't, I can't muster it at all. Were they nice, the Swans? The, the Swan, Swan family. family. You, never, you never had to tell them to wind their neck in. Once, I was sitting at the top of a bus, and uh, it would be the 80s sometime, number 51 bus back from the town, and one of the Swans was behind me, and he was kicking the back of my seat. Why? What had you ever done to him? Nothing. Did you throw him some bread? No. I didn't know it was him when I turned around and went, oh, it's you. And he went, yeah. Oh, was he just trying to say hello? Yeah, I think so, but I was getting the fear. Right. I thought somebody's behind me kicking the seat here. Right, and you're only a little lad. I was only small. Me too. But it was one of the swans. Right. So, uh, tuna, casserole, Tom. I finished mine. Look at that. You really went through that, Dom. Is raced, that your dinner for tonight? I, it might be. I raced through it. I'll tell you something Dom, else. you did good there. I'll tell you something else That's here. really about. tasty. It's fantastic that, John, you fed us up. While there are countless variations on tuna casserole, historically, it's made with egg noodles, chopped eh? onions, shredded cheddar cheese, frozen green peas, which become less frozen as they get cooked, can drain tuna, condensed cream of mushroom, or cream of celery soup, sliced mushrooms, crushed potato crisps or chips, John chose salt and pepper crisps, which I think is a nice That's a lovely addition because you don't have to put salt and pepper on it. The cooked noodles, onion, cheese, peas, tuna, soup, and mushrooms are mixed in a baking dish with the potato crisps and more cheese sprinkled on top and then baked. Gas mark for 365 degrees for 12 minutes 
I don't know. I just made that up. But it was lovely. And it can't be that bad for you. I mean, it's veggies, some fish. You're going to finish yours too. It's really delicious. And I wonder if you get, like, would you go to, like, a fancy restaurant and they do a fancy version of this? Maybe. You know what I mean? Made from scratch, know, noodles. Maybe, maybe they'd put some truffle oil in yeah, there but or something. I don't know if it would be any better than this. No, it's great. I, li I like stuff that, you know, simple. Let's give it some scores, though. Really? Yeah. Scores. Well, we're going to start with flavor and or taste. Yeah. It was great. It's a, it's, I would describe it as a hearty meal, maybe even a comfort meal. If it's cold outside, like it's a little bit cold today yeah. in LA, yeah. you come home, if you've got a fire, you put it on, put a cozy yeah. movie on, I'm going to give it 7.9 out of 10. That's quite good. Mm. So you'd be sitting there watching The Boy in the Bubble yeah, with John Travolta. With John Travolta. Eating this. Now, I'll just uh, get a couple of facts from John first. I need some thumbs up or not. Is this tin tuna? Yeah. Tin tuna. Is it frozen peas? Yeah. And mushroom soup from Campbell's? Yeah. Right. No, I'm you, going to give it. Before, well, before you give it some scores, I'm just saying here, you could adapt mm -hmm. any of those things, couldn't you? You could add your own fresh mushrooms of a different mm -hmm. type. You could add any different type of creamy soup. Maybe, a, yep. maybe make your own pasta. You, I think you could do a kind of quality, classy tuna casserole. That's what, I would, that's what I mean. But I mean, and then use like. A piece of tuna and like, and do it all. but I, this is really good. I know it is. I know. I'm giving it an eight point seven. Oh, you liked it. Yeah, done. Aesthetics. Now it was nice when it was in the little tuna casserole baking dish because um, it's got a kind of crunchy, crispy topping on it with cheese and stuff. Um, I mean, it's it's not going to change the world in terms of its. It's looks. not the most it's, beautiful thing. No, it? it's not the Paul Newman of casseroles. No. It's more like the. I don't know the the uh, Paul Rudd. No, he's really sexy. Is he? I was. It's, Pete, it's the Peter Falk of uh, casseroles. Colombo. Yeah, what's the problem here? It's that guy. I got one more question Jesus, for you. One more question. One, one more, more question. Were you the guy that killed the guy? Um, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna give it. Go on. I'm gonna give it a five point nine. I see what you're doing, Dom. It's, it's fine. I think the crispy thing on top, though, really. I mean, it gets your juices going. Oh, yeah. Gets you know what I mean? Juices going. So I'm going to have to give that a 7.7. 7. Okay, 7.7. 7. Usefulness. Can you take it to a football game? Not really. You, you can't put it in your pocket, could you? Nah. You don't want to open it up on a flight. Anything with fish, you shouldn't really bring on a plane. I'll tell you what it's useful for. Go on. If you get invited last minute mm -hmm. to a dinner party, Mm -hmm. And they say, you just bring a course. What would We're, you call that here? I don't know. When La you, late minute dinner party? No, when you bring stuff. Uh, bring along party. Like, I'm having a party, but I'm not going to cook anything. Yeah. It's a... Cheap party. It's a bring your own, and it's called something it's in America. Cheap, uh, Johnny! Party for cheapos. What's it called when you get invited to something, but everybody has to bring some food or something? Hang on. A Pot, what? Potluck? Yeah, potluck. A potluck party. So someone says... Last minute, we'd love you to go into our potluck party. Someone's doing a starter. Someone's doing a dessert. Someone's doing a cocktail. Would you, would you bring one of the mains? You say, mm. I've got it. Simple. Straight down to the supermarket. Five or six items. Done. Tuna casserole as made by Mrs. WFS of Kenwick, Washington. Yeah. Um, so it, I think it's useful for that. Is it, is it ever a side dish in uh, Thanksgiving or is it not a side dish? It's not. We're getting a shake of the head there now. No, nah, it's just a thing that you eat thing. and it's easy. Yeah. I mean, but it's not useful. You're not going to... Like, you can't make an ice cream out of it or cake. It is what it is. It's what it says. It is exactly what... Like Andy Warhol, it's exactly what it's it It's exactly says. what it is. It'll last for as long as it will. You can freeze it. You can refrigerate it. You can freeze it. You can refrigerate it. You can eat it. You can eat it. But that's basically it. You're not going to say, I'm going to make this into something else. I'm going to deconstruct it. No, you're not. No, you're going to eat You it. could do a posh version of it. I'll give it that. I'm going to give it a 6.3. Dom, I'm going to agree with you on the 6.3. That was another episode of Billy and Dom Eat the World. If there's anything that you grew up with, or maybe there's a recipe that you make yourself that you're very fond of, or a drink you want us to try, or... Maybe there's something that you don't particularly like and you want to see if we might feel differently about it. Get in touch with us. Billion Dom Eat the World at uh, somewhere. 
Yeah, just a place. Just write. Just, just write to us at thefriendshiponion at castmedia.com with true. all your ideas. Tom, lovely stuff. Well, here we go. I t- I t- we'll still get some music to listen to, well, We Tom. do. We've got to find out if we think that the um, song is funky for you or funky for him or funky for us. Now, could you introduce the song, please? Artist and name. The song uh, put forward by the lovely dog is Melissa McCartney's Through the Eyes of Love. And I'll, I'll read you, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, wait a minute. I'll read you just a little blurb here just before we get going. If you could, Tom. An Academy Award and Golden Globe Award-nominated ballad. I, I love a ballad. I love a ballad. I enjoy a ballad. Performed by American singer Melissa Manchester from the soundtrack of the 1978 film Ice Castles. Here we go. Please don't let this feeling end It's everything I am Everything I want to be Let's go back <laughs> What's happened to It's all right, Tom. It's all right. See, that's, that's lovely, that. But just hearing the first line... Just even what... that. You don't know what's happened. Uh, well, should I tell you about the film? Through on, the Tom. Eyes of Love. When was it? 1978. You should have oh. seen this. You would have... How old were you? I'd have been 10 years old, Oh, Tom. it's probably too adult for you. Oh. But Through the Eyes of Love, the song, the is, is featured during the climax of the film mm. as the song, Lexi, the song or the character, the song. The song is played by a human. That seems strange, John, that, that the lead character in a film is a it's song. A song. Wow, this is a surreal film. And the song was played by Lynn Holly Johnson, who is a human. So so a song goes skating, it says here. This is getting really bizarre. Isn't it? Goes skating to its first competition as the song has become blind due to a skating accident. Now, hang on a second. Let's just unpack this. So a song gets sung. So and ma- due to being on skates previously to the accident, she became blind. Yeah, and a blind she, song. And she went skating again during oh. the film. So with the, a song skating, is that just like a couple of quavers in a pair of ice skates? Is we don't know, Dom. We just don't know. You'd have to question her uh, choices as well. If she's already become blind due to a skating accident and then she goes skating one more time. What a strange film. Strange, there's a lot of strange films with that. As soon as that music started, do you know what movie it, it reminded me of? The Boy in the Bubble. Now, what's that about? <laughs> it, was, it was an actor you'd know, Tom. Oh, really? John Travolta. Oh, really? And he played a character... In a bubble. ...who suffered from a terrible, terrible... Um, <laughs> It was like a condition, a skin condition. <laughs> Don't. If he, if he was just out and about, yeah, breathing in the air that we all breathe, he, he'd come down with all sorts. Well, how did they know that? Did he, did he initially, as a baby? As a he, baby, they were like... He wasn't born in a bubble, was it? No, no but no, they no. said, he can't go out and about. Hang on a second. Get him in a bubble. Get him in a bubble and he'll have to live in there. So, But in the bubble, he's fine. In the bubble, he's all right because he's not out and about. Did he go to school? Did he have mates? Well, they had the school came to him, you see. But the girl next door... Small school, then? The girl next door, who was a real girl, not a song, she would come and visit. <laughs> right, they were mates, yeah. They were always in the bubble. But he, I think he came out the bubble at one point. But Was it to kiss her? I think he came out to kiss her, but it didn't go well. Was the scenes where it, they'd be like... Oh, they'd touch like, each other through the bubble. And that song would have been good in The Boy in the Bubble. Mm-hmm. I've never seen The Boy in the Bubble. How old was John Travolta-ish at that point? Was it after... 19. So it's after Greece? No, before. He did really? Greece when he was about 32. Yeah, he did. He was supposed to be a senior. So it was when he was having a relatively successful television career. I think it was probably his first movie. Wow. 
The Boy in the Bubble, a great song by Paul Simon, but I think about a different thing. Oh, hang on, here comes Johnny Clues to tell us that it probably wasn't a story about a song going skating. But go on, John. John's about to say no, something. Here we go. The interesting point that uh. Doug's other recommendation for a song was Night Fever. Oh, from by, Saturday Night Fever, John. By the Bolton. Bee Gees. I think I think Doug uh, likes those kind of movies, you know. As he said, he wants to be in a Hallmark Christmas movie, and I, both uh, in those movies, you just want to watch them on a Sunday afternoon, don't yeah, you? Yeah, you do. That do you kind think, of movie. You ever think? I wonder if the Bee Gees ever just felt kind of silly in the studio. Do you know what I mean? They all get together. Night right. Fever, all right, lads. Fever. All right. How you doing? Right, good. Yeah, good. What did you do last night? Nothing. Just hang out. Uh, should we go in the studio? Yeah. Let's yeah. try it through. Try. Let's try it through once. Like, that's not how they speak, is it? I don't think so. And the the thinner one, the diminutive one in mm-hmm. the BGs, he could go really high if he needed to. Yeah. They've is got it? a couple of songs out that only dogs listen to. Yeah. You know? They have sung some absolute classics. I know a lot of people love the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. And, and it's, I do. It's a film that's not aged terribly well, to be fair. Yeah. But they did also write the absolute classic, How Deep Is Your Love? Well, it's quite deep. It's deep, all right. Another little bit of trivia here about this song, Through the Eyes of Love. Despite not being a big hit, it is considered a classic among Melissa Manchester fans for her vocal delivery and has achieved a cult following over the year. It has been a frequent opening song at weddings, especially in the early 1980s, and Melissa Manchester has usually included the song on her live shows. Now, I went to your wedding, but I remember almost drowning in a bowl of tomato soup. I was so drunk. Do you remember that? You had to keep pulling me by the back of my head up out of it. That, and I kept falling into it. And we've got a lot of photos of the party, you mm. know, afterwards. And there's points where you are the only person dancing. I did enjoy a really good dance that night. It was a great wedding. But did you have a um, opening dance number? Because your wife was a dancer, wasn't she? She's quite we did have an opening. Can you remember what it was? I told you I was blind drunk. Ah, that's true. It was actually Dean Martin. <gasps> when the moon hits a pie nope. like a big lemon sky, it's a pouring. Wasn't that one? Have another go. I really should go. Oh, you should go. Now the kiss in a row. But it's raining outside. Is it that? No, it wasn't that one either. I'm out of ideas. Because you love Dean Martin. You, you know, know, I was. You ho- prefer him to Frank Sinatra. I do. And I, I do. I was hoping you were going to get it because I can't remember the song. Oh, you do that to me. Sometimes. Yeah, I know I do it to you a lot, actually. You can't remember I... the opening dancing number to your wedding. No. I don't think your wife listens to the podcast. Does she? she shouldn't listen to this. She's got no interest in me. She shouldn't listen to this one. That's upsetting. Uh, wait a minute. Hold on. I mean, it's a romantic Dean Martin song. Yeah, it's, it's good. Uh, something about. Ain't that a kick in the head? Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I got it. Nailed it. Good for you. Ain't that a kick in the head? Ain't that a kick in the pants? Right. Um, was it funky, Dom? Well, this is what I... Oh, my, what, my mic's going very strange. Are Don't we worry still about picking it. it up? I right? thought you were doing that with your voice. I thought Don't it was worry. good, Dom. It was in and out, in and out, in yeah. and out. Much like your wedding night. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I... Um, I I did like it, and what what I really enjoy about this um, particular uh, song was, for me, I don't need it to be funky. Of course, if it's Stevie Wonder or Prince or Sly and the Family Stone, that is classically funky. But I like songs that people think, you know what? It is funky for me. That's why I like it. That's it. So I love the fact that Doug said that. Um, I would have liked to have heard more. And you know what? On the drive home, especially if it's raining in LA, I'm going to drive home and I'm going to start weeping. I bet you will. Yeah. And when you start weeping, you start sweating. Mm, I do. I do sweat when I cry. You sweat and weep. I also sweat when I eat apples. And if I eat too much sugar, I have to put my finger up my bum. Welcome to my world. Uh, Was it funky for me? Was it? On a level of Brahms to Prince, I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a Climby Fisher level of funk. Climby Fisher? Mm, 1980s band. Brilliant. Thank you. What about you? Well, if you're if you're done a if you're done a nineteen eighties man, I'll do a Don't da- say flock of seagulls. I'll do a Danny Wilson. Oh, lovely choice. Yeah. I might listen to Danny Wilson on the way home. Yeah, yeah, you'll enjoy that. Well, that was a lovely funky for you song and we've run out of time. 
Hey, Doug was brilliant. Fantastic stuff, Tom, don't you think? He's a really interesting guy, right? Because, you know, he's, he's clearly defined a lot of his career by his amazing grasp of, you know, his physical body, but also has become so um, well-versed and adept with working with what sometimes can be very tricky. The whole prosthetics thing can sometimes trap your performance or hide your performance. And it's almost as if Doug's worked out a way to have it be a springboard to a higher level of what he's trying to do, you know. And now it's taking him all the way to Star Trek. Oh, if only, Dom, if only. Anyway, that's how it's done for this week. Now, if you do have any questions, please write them to thefriendshiponion at castmedia.com or if you have anything you'd like to say and like us to hear your lovely voice, then send that to speakpipe.com forward slash thefriendshiponion. Yeah, make sure you check us out on YouTube. We always like reading the comments. So if there's anything that you want to say about the episode or anything you want us to have a think about, leave those comments on YouTube. You can also let us know if there's any particular food or beverage item that maybe you grew up with, or maybe was it was a popular thing in your family. Maybe we'll eat that on Billy and Dom Eat the World. It's been a couple of weeks now since we've done a riddle or a tongue twister, and we are massive fans of both of those things. So send them in, and maybe we'll feature them on the show. And we'll see you next week. See ya. Toodles. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.